Are you ready to up-level your performance, become a better sales coach, and grow revenue? Are you ready to be ready? Then ready, set, sell. I'm Hannah, a B2B sales enthusiast and sales consultant, advocating for sales to be a little more human. And I'm Tony from MindTickle, where I'm a sales leader and coach. And you're listening to Ready, Set, Sell, a podcast dedicated to helping revenue and sales professionals like you adopt a sales readiness approach to ensure your team is always ready to win. In each episode, we share smart insights, tangible advice, and actionable tips that can be applied directly to the work you do every day to drive organizational growth. Let's dive into the episode. You know, Hannah, if there's anything we've learned over the past two years, I I think it's become pretty clear that people are a company's best asset. Oh, that's definitely true. I mean, investing in your people will not only help you retain talent, but it's also going to help you drive better outcomes at the end of the day. Exactly. I think one way to do this is by encouraging a culture of continuous learning and growth and development, but it has to come from the top down. And today's guest knows all about this. Christine Rogers is the president and COO of Aspireship, a platform that helps people reskill and pivot into the world of SaaS sales. And Christine is here today to offer her tips for helping your team learn new skills, stay curious, and unlock new talents every day. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Ready, Set, Sell. And we are happy to have Christine Rogers with us today. And uh, what is going to be a fantastic episode. So Hannah's going to kick it off with uh, our first question. Hey, Christine. Hi, guys. So thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. No, we are too. We are too. And we've got lots to unpack. So I'd love to start right from the beginning and just really understand a bit more about your career so far. But more specifically, the, the point inside your career where you thought, you know what, this is this is like the big moment. There was like a big shift or like a big realization that really kind of kickstarted everything else for you. It's been all over the place, but I will tell you kind of through my whole career. So I did some insurance. I owned my own business for a while, a, a retail store. I then moved into um, selling um, software and that's been kind of like the past 10 years ish. That probably was the most where I felt like, Ooh, I'm sinking into myself. Right. I had always been in sales just naturally, just, it was something that I think a lot of people in selling are were like, you know, I've been selling since I, you know, could sell lemonade. Right. So, so I think a lot of us have those same um, stories where we've just, it's always just kind of found us, but I will tell you when I got into technology and software sales, that's when I really felt like, ah, this is for me. What, what was there any one specific thing that you said, oh yeah, this is really cool. This is what I need to be doing for the rest of my life or, or my next path anyway? I mean, is there any one specific thing that said, yeah, sales is for me? Well, I think it was really important that my prior life had been in kind of that entrepreneurial small business, you know, even in insurance, it was a small business essentially. So when I found a software that supported small businesses, i felt like, oh, this makes so much sense. Like I can bring my understanding and my experiences from being on the other side of that to this experience in this field. I just found that I was actually able to relate in such a way that it could be very successful. I don't believe there's any specific experience that you have to have to be in sales. I think you have to use what you 
uniquely bring to the table, your unique skill sets, your lens that you've had your entire life, bring that to the table and be competent in what you do. I mean, that's the entire idea around Aspireship is we built this organization in order to help people make this transition into selling based on a true meritocracy. Can you do this work? That's what I want to know. I don't care about your background. I don't care about your fancy resume. I don't care about your schooling. I don't care about the initials after your name. What I care about is, do you have the character that it takes to do this and the competency that it takes to do this? Um, I love it because we, we've got to, you know, when you look at um, Aspireship and, and, and the work you're doing and the mission, it, it, getting people to transition into what is what can be a really, you know, successful, lucrative career path. It's similar to some of the work that we do at Sisters in Sales, um, which I know you're familiar with, right? So there's people who are already in sales, but people that are trying to transition into sales who who come from backgrounds that are not always considered to be, you know, something that's going to naturally allow you to get into a sales career. I, I'd love to to ask you a question though about hiring managers. What kind of conversations are you having or do you need to have with these these recruitment people to say they could still do it? Like <laughs> give them a chance. Because I'd love to understand how you tie that to, to your mission as well. So I sell. <laughs> I sell to companies, right? Because my candidates come through our platform. They take the test. They take the assessment. It's free for them to do. On the other side of that, they have to be able to pass it. And then if they do, we will introduce them to companies that are hiring. So my role, and I have one gal that helps me, we sell to companies. And we sell the notion that like, we believe that our people can do this work. So it's fascinating because it's a two-pronged sale for sure. I have to sell both the talent acquisition people that this makes sense because actually sales leaders most often understand because I'm a sales leader. It takes me five minutes to have a little chatter, you know, with a sales leader to say, you and I both know you can't predict whether they can do it based on the resume. We've seen enough people with like the most beautiful resume and they are, they just crash and burn. And then you've seen another one with zero. You gave a shot to best top performer that you have. Now, talent acquisition people are a little bit, uh, this is an established way of thinking that resume, it trumps all. So that sometimes is where I have more of a rub because they're like, what do you mean? They're not going to have this. They're not going to have this. They're not going to have this. A plus B equals C every time. And it's like, not really. We're actually challenging that way of thinking and proving over the last you know, two years that it works. That's a little uncomfortable. Yeah, it's, it's pretty evident in hearing you talk that you've got a lot of passion for this, right? You can actually hear it in your voice, right? <laughs> I'm just wondering, you know, where, why do you think you're so passionate about helping salespeople succeed? Is there anything in particular in your background or anything that you'd point to that, that gives you that passion? People and who they are are fascinating to me. I generally don't care about all the bells and whistles and all these other things. I want to know your story. And when I look at people and I see like, wow, this is, I I mean, we, one of the first placements we did, she had been a stay at home mom for eight years and had been doing like fitness instructing on the side. And she tried to find a job for three years and nobody would hire her in sales. And she was so frustrated by that. And then I look at her and she's still with the company that we hired her with. And she's there and she, they're like, find me 10 of her. She's incredible. And I look at that and just think like, man, I love an underdog story. And so many of us in sales that maybe didn't go to college, maybe didn't get great grades, just had the gift of gab. And one of my kids is like that, two boys. One of them literally is 
every sales rep I've ever had. He negotiated with me at three years old. And I look at him and think to myself, like, that gets me excited because knowing that they can not only have a good job, but a phenomenal career that will help them establish wealth and like that they can actually do some pretty powerful things in the world. That gets me super pumped. Enablement's huge. And I know a lot of, you know, one thing that people look for now and, you know, the advice is when you're going in an interview, ask them, you know, what training, what coaching, what support, what kind of everboarding uh, stuff do they do? Can they offer you to help you build, you know, your skill set? But the, the new thing that's come up even more so in the last few years is like, what what can salespeople be doing for themselves to help themselves? I'd love to, you know, just kind of get your opinion on that. I have a lot of opinions about enablement. So (laughs) when I was at the company where I was an individual contributor, kind of moved into those roles, and I was there for about almost five years, you know, doing different roles, you know, enablement was, was kind of a hot topic, right? You know, we didn't even have it we were a pretty high growth company and and nobody was doing training. Nobody was doing anything like that. In fact, there wasn't even a structured hiring process. It was like, can you sell me this pen kind of a situation, right? And this was not a small company. This was a B, B round funded company at this point. So what I'm saying is like investing in these things has, has thankfully become more important to companies. Um, now here are some things that I think are really important. As a sales leader, uh, whether you're a manager, whether you know you are the sales leader, the CRO, the VP of sales, it is your job to make sure that your team is enabled and trained. It is not the enablement job. It is not rev ops to make sure that they have everything. And I think this is one mistake that I hear constantly. It's just like, well, the training team needs to do this. L&D needs to do this, blah, 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 blah. Wrong. You need to do this. You, you as the leader, you have to hold your team accountable. A training is silly if you're not actually going to implement what you need. And so, you know, and great enablement functions, I believe are in lockstep with the team. When I created an enablement team, they sat on the floor with my refs. You want to know what they're doing? You listen to calls, you be in it, you get in it because otherwise it's just stupid. What you bring to the table, what you start training them on and how you're relating to them makes zero sense because you're not in it. And so I think those organizations that that make them be together, I owned both organizations, which meant if I said, you're going to this training, guess what? They went to the training. And if I said, I want the training on this. And before you do the training on, you know, handling objections, I need you all in the training team. I need you to listen to like 30 calls each and tell me what is actually the problem. Then come to me with what the training is going to be about. Mm. I don't want to waste. I mean, you take good sellers off the phone for an hour. That's an expensive meeting that I better get the ROI on. And if I don't, I'm looking to my training team and saying, you're expensive that's not okay. So I think it's really about having, you know, um, high accountability, workability, and everybody really understanding whose job is what. Enablement is not to be in servitude of the, of the sales team. And, and, you know, the sales team always saying like, you know, every five minutes at the same time, they are there to support. A lot of organizations, at least that I've talked to over the last couple of years, they almost see training as, uh, almost onboarding only, right? Hey, we want to onboard our folks as quickly as possible, get them out there, and then they're good to go, right? And a lot of companies fall short because they don't think beyond that. And um, so I'm curious to, to get an understanding of what you think about ongoing training and continuous learning, right? How, does, how do you think that really fits in today's landscape 
And why do you think that might be an essential component for someone to succeed? So I think there's a couple parts to this. Number one, it is absolutely critical for reps to continue learning. Number two, often the companies are not going to help with that. They, they think they will, but they might not have the capacity to do so. So me as a seller, as an individual contributor, I don't care what you, you need to take your learning on your own self. You owe it to yourself to continue learning and blaming it on the company has not kept me updated or the company isn't training me more. You own your own learning, first of all. Secondly, Companies should be absolutely doing what they can to enable and continuously train their team. As different competitors come out, as different things in market change, um, we, we need to keep ourselves updated. But oftentimes it becomes a whose responsibility is that? It, my success is my responsibility. So I absolutely think, number one, it is really important for people to own that experience themselves. I mean, I've had people, you can, I mean, be scrappy about this. This is when I absolutely get frustrated with sellers who are like, well, my company, I mean, I don't know anything. It's like, get on G2 and look up the last 10 reviews for your top competitor. You'll figure out where they've got the gaps. How about do that every other week? Like be smart about what you're doing. Own this experience. And also if I am a sales leader that is trying to enable my team, make sure that what we're training them on is relevant. What are you hearing that is problematic? What are we seeing that's problematic? Where are we losing deals and figure out what those conversations are? You know, maybe it's your terrible proposal process. Where are the areas that we can tighten up and, and really slick the wheels of the sales team? But keeping in mind that absolutely this needs to be happening regularly. We're learning from each other. We're learning from the market. We're learning from our competitors. This, this is all really important. I feel like a lot of companies, um, they try to make continuous learning and training so complicated. And I'm like this, I'm this, I'm a big believer in just making sure that you've at least covered the basics. I think I, I created a video the other day that said something like, just do some research before you jump on a phone or a prospect. People are just like, I know that's some basic stuff. And then I had a sales call later on that day as I was trying to buy some technology and they did no research. And this is a senior AE at a very well-known company. So I'm like, it's, it seems basic, but it's not being done. <laughs> it, it really isn't being done. So when you think of, I'm thinking about building out the basics, but what are some of the learning techniques and tools that you use to help sales professionals really learn new skills and ultimately succeed? It always goes back to, there's just a few steps in the sales process. There are things that we need to know. And almost always when things go sideways, there, we missed it. We missed it. We didn't ask the right questions. I get it. The same thing. I am a seasoned seller. And if I don't have my sheet, my notes, my like cheat sheet, my discovery <laughs> cheat sheet, I forget to ask, wait, what was your revenue last year? I heard the buying signals. I got excited. I knew we were moving forward. We all do it. And it is in the practice of listening to our calls, understanding. And I mean, this is as basic as it gets. Some of the best um, organizations really do just a few things that make sense. You know, they listen to calls together. They coach each other. You have, you have, you know, different things that are happening. They're, they're sharing their learnings regularly and they are rating each other on how are you doing with the questions, with the, with discovery? How are you doing along the path? How are we doing when, how is this email did it look good when it went out? 
seems like a lot of organizations are, you know, kind of using outdated techniques for their hiring processes, which is, you know, ultimately leading to failures or not to being as successful as they potentially could be. Um, you know, how would you say people could really look at things differently in order to bring themselves into, you know, into the current timeframes? So now is something like we've never seen before. So I want to definitely kind of couch the market being as hot as it is now in a candidate market. So different, I mean, than even a year, year and a half ago, right? Where we are today, a couple of things that are archaic in the thinking. The idea that you get to have, I mean, I, and I had a company, I worked at a company where we were getting 60, 70 applicants a week for a sales role. Okay, so it was just like, so we created a gauntlet we made it very difficult to get in the door, very difficult because we were weeding out. Now we're in an environment where we need to be selling this opportunity, selling the company, and they are selling us, but we are we are having a selling conversation on both sides, right? The other idea of, I want to see 10 people and then I'm going to pick the three. No, that does not work. What you have to know is what are the characteristics that you're measuring for? What are the attributes that you're seeing? What are the things that we're testing for through the process? And I want to be able to and need to be able to make a decision on her standalone. Boom. She hit it here. This is where she's at in like a scorecard mentality. She hit 89%. That means we hire. Versus, let me see 10. I'll decide who is the best of these 10. No, that is, that is, um, you, you just can't do it in this market anyway. The, the, those 10 will be gone. I mean, if you can't move somebody through on an, an entry-level sales position in a week, week and a half and get them through the hiring process in a, you know, max two weeks, um, you're, you're in a tight spot and you're going to lose yeah. all your hot people. So I think those are two really important pieces um, is really being able to, create a seamless, frictionless process that makes sense to candidates. Why am I doing this assignment? Well, because that's what the the role is. You want them to be able to self-select out, emulate the role as best as possible. If they have to go cold on a LinkedIn contact, have them do that. Pick somebody that we would go cold on. Go write me what you would say in a LinkedIn DM. Then, then call me and give me a voicemail. Here's the voicemail number. You call this and leave a voicemail. I want it done by three o'clock tomorrow afternoon. See if they can do it. I love that example you gave. I think I've been asked once, somebody just sat me down, probably one of the more senior roles I went for. And they just said, tell me how you would go out, find someone cold and like sell them this kind of solution. Like, what would you need to go through? What are the steps? And then I think the, the, the manager cut me off halfway through and said, you get it. Okay. That's, that's parked. Let's go into, uh, let's looking at the role and how, and you know, what we're doing here. And I was like, oh, that was easy. I mentioned all of that because I, I love the fact that you're talking about more practical um, approaches to hiring. So Let's let's just continue on the theme of people and you know losing your hot people in that hiring process. You know what what more can sales organisations be doing to to kind of prioritise people and culture and 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 what kind of things should they be putting into practice more often? I think so many times companies I'll hear this from hiring leaders. Oh, hiring is my number one, and I'm I okay. If hiring is your number one, then I need you to open up your calendar for me. You either open it up for the calendar or you give us times that are allotted for these things so that we can slide people in and we can get people in and out quickly through this process. Because what we're going to do is set, it's just, we're selling, we're setting expectations up front. This process is a three-step process. We will have boom, 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 boom. And by doing these things, and then every single step along the way, we are meeting expectations 
that tells them everything they need to know about that company. How are they? If they are saying they are prioritizing hiring and they are prioritizing getting great people into the org, does that actually work in practice? Or do the actions support the words? You know, it, it's interesting, Hannah. I've worked with a lot of different sales folks over the years, and uh, I, I think a lot of people have had success that have come from unique backgrounds. Uh, I know people that have been teachers. I know people that have been actors. I know people that have come from real estate. So I, I think you can actually learn a lot in just about any sort of role. And if you have the right will, you can apply it to sales to make sure you can have a lot of success. You know what? I, I love the fact that people from untraditional backgrounds are coming into sales. I, I actually interviewed someone, Tony, who is an opera singer. I was like, you've got to tell me about that. Like, I love that. And it's interesting because that person spent a lot of their time um, like organizing things and also maintained a side hustle, which was being an EA to senior execs. So I'm like, you literally know how to communicate with senior execs. That's why you're going to be good at sales. Like, it's just a no brainer. You, you bring your experiences and, you know, people buy from people. So as long as you have been engaging with people for, you know, your adult life, then I think you're right to, to, to start the transition into sales. I also had um, somebody who has been a musician for like 20 years and they just aced every interview because they had stories from traveling around the world for 20 years. Like that's much more interesting, to be fair, than me just talking about being in sales for the last 15 years. Like, is it, I'm sorry, but I'd probably lose that one if I was up against someone who's been traveling the world for 20 years. Just better stories. Absolutely. I mean, I, I actually was a musician in the earlier part of my career. And even now I'm in the film industry in my part time or my spare time rather. Uh, so I like to bring unique stories to every every sales engagement that I have because it really lets you personalize yourself, right? It shows that you're a human being and you're not just some you know, sales robot that's trying to win someone over. You're, you're a human being that has unique perspective and you bring that to the sales situation and it just makes it a lot easier to work with people. Tony, I feel like you're indirectly saying that you're just more interesting than me. Is that what, <laughs> is that what you're saying right now? Never, never. We haven't really figured out exactly who Hannah is yet. We're gonna get there, but <laughs> it's just a matter of time. I really love Christine's philosophy of moving towards a true meritocracy instead of just relying on arbitrary titles or credentials to land a new role. You know what? I agree. I think in 2022, the workforce has evolved to accommodate a wider variety of backgrounds, skills, and even educational pathways. I mean, this is a testament to how far we've come as a society. Yeah, and you know, I think I also find it inspiring just to see people moving away from the traditional cookie cutter careers or only doing something for a notch on a resume. Oh yeah, big time. But Tony, I have a 2022 motto and it's called hashtag shoot your shot because life is too short not to go for what you want, especially now that the entire world is at your fingertips. And since the world is at our fingertips, I have my own uh, motto for 2022. It's where's my cocktail? So uh, <laughs> it's never too late or too early to learn a new skill, switch career paths or explore a new industry. All right, let's hear some more from Christine about why a culture of continuous learning is a key building block of success. Coming back to people and culture a little bit, um, I've, I've been here at, at MindTickle actually for about two and a half years now, and I've dealt with a lot of different groups from learning development groups and enablement readiness groups. And in some places, they're very distinct organizations. They're not really tied together. 
uh, in the ways that you think that they might. So I'm just curious as to how you feel about that. And just learning and development really have a direct impact and can help improve sales enablement? Yes, I think that they should work well together. I think that there's, when I think of learning and development versus kind of sales, rev ops, enablement, all of those different types of things, I think that most organizations that I've seen have like learning and development that supports organizational structure around kind of like the company functions and things like that. Like if we're trying to roll out maybe um, the future of work or something like that, like that's how I've seen it work. I tend to see that organizationally, if there's um, kind of an enablement team for candidate experience, I call candidate experience, (laughs) customer experience, you know, different things like that, then those might have their own places, right? Or a business partner that like rolls up into learning and development that might be kind of tangential there and working kind of with those, you know, those organizational leaders to make sure that they're there. Uh, Christine, what what are some of the most valuable enablement tools that you think companies really don't think about or they overlook at this point? I think there is so much out there for these. I mean, of course, the CRM, of course, you're going to need marketing technology. You need a pretty good stack there. I'm going to say this. I actually think some of when you think about tools and resources, some of the kind of old school ways of doing things, teaching people how to understand if they're effective, teaching them the math of basically like if you do if you needed to get to $25,000 in revenue and you only did $15,000 and you did X amount of prospecting calls, you know, what's that math that actually gets you to like, oh, I have to be doing 80 calls a day. Oh, I, I need to do more. Like I find that sometimes we provide lots of tools and resources and then don't actually show people what that means. So I can know, okay, well, I didn't get to the number and I did... 67 demos. All right. Well, you either have to get better or do more. That's it. Those are only two options. So we're going to help you get better and I'm going to help you get better by coaching, but you got to do more until you're better. Thinking about the the skill sets and the the different tasks that sales people are doing, what it's 2022 and we've come out of just the most wackiest two years ever that nobody predicted. And every year now we're getting into the habit of in January, February, we're like, this year is going to be different. Which areas should sales people be zeroing in on in terms of learning and development? I think the most important thing is always understanding people. And where we saw people going really tone deaf and coming out weird is when they were trying to have these same conversations that we had had prior and not being sensitive to the fact that, you know, actually just talk to me like a regular person right now. Mm -hmm. And when it's appropriate to elevate the conversation, bring in some different language and being mindful of that language. I will tell you, like, this is one of my biggest burns is that people don't understand how important what you're saying is, how critical, how you say something is. And, mm-hmm. and going back and, and, you know, you shift a couple of different little words and it makes a meaningful difference. I think it's a really important piece to understand people. So really digging into what you're hearing, what the sentiment is around things, not, not missing when people are complaining Mm. around certain things or are feeling a certain way. If there's a psychology going on here, the most important thing, like I would say right now is get out of all of the tech and all the things that you're really excited about, about your product and really understand the person on the other side of this and you will do better. And I know that's not really like a new way of thinking, but I think right now, People are overly sensitive to if you don't. Now they're not even like 
not giving you the time of the day. They're getting kind of mouthy. Like, you know what? You're not even being empathetic with me at all. You're not even like understanding. You're completely tone deaf. People are saying this now. And it's like, oh. they will say it now before people just be like, Mah. you know, and delete the email. When, when the salesperson listens to what you've said and you've, you've, you've poured your heart out and they're like, yeah, so what CRM system do you use? <laughs> I just poured my heart out. I'm crying inside. I like literally told you and, and poured out my heart. And then you're like, so when were you looking to make a change? <laughs> Christine, earlier you touched upon the hiring market. If you were to give some advice to someone that's looking to make a move, a sales professional, what do you what would you think your best advice would be? And conversely, and you touched on this a little bit earlier, but I want you yeah, hopefully can dig a little bit deeper on this. But, you know, as an organization trying to attract t- top talent as well, what would you recommend there? Uh, be open to different backgrounds. I, I I mean, I can't tell you the companies that are really doing well right now, they're bringing all different types of personality types. They're bringing different experiences, different ages of people. There are just amazing individuals that are been given no opportunity because they're too young, too old or whatever. So I love that we're bringing this um, unique, these unique perspective. This is what I would say to somebody wanting to transition. This is what I do say all the time to our grads. Stop trying to go for the most sexy logo, the biggest names, all of these different things. Because some of the best companies out there that we hire for, that we do work with, with strong leaders that are people are making great money and everybody is learning are not companies you might have, you might never have heard of them. You might not be super passionate about construction estimation software. You not you might not like get, you know, your heartbeats from a fleet management software or from an anal, you know, an analytics software. But you know what? You can learn a lot. So I would just say a lot of people get really stuck on I only want this, that, or the other. Care less about title care more about like opportunity. Who's going to develop me? How am I going to do it? The number one question I ask people is when you pick a job, think about what do I want to learn now? Think about a long game and your long opportunity and say, the thing I'm going to learn next is this. And this one I'm, is actually going to provide me that in the best way. I, I like that as far as uh, qualifications for making decisions. I just say salespeople go to where you can make money like that's the whole point we get into these jobs because they're not easy it's not easy you need to so when when they're proving it they got it you know you've done your research if people in the business are making money and you can look backwards and forwards and you can see that they could still be making money then that's where you need to be not at the all the big logos so i'm completely with you christine i I know tony was going to jump in and ask you this um later but i I wanted to just understand what what's what's exciting you about the thing that's happening in sales right now, like the technology, the initiatives, web free, like what, what is it that you're, you're thinking about? And you're like, this is, this is really going to be quite, um, you know, groundbreaking this year or next. I just love that we had, you know, even two years ago when this idea came up, people were like, I mean, it sounds good, but I don't think anybody will give anybody a shot that doesn't have this SaaS experience. I remember just thinking, Yes, they will. Yes, they will. If we can prove that they can be successful, if we can do this and make sure that these individuals are successful. I look at it now and I see the way that we've always done things. You know, everybody kind of 
has a similar look and feel and age and all of those things. And I see now that with bringing in different perspectives, fresh eyes, um, you know, I am learning every day from the companies that I'm talking to where they're like, you know, this individual came in and came up with this great idea. We have totally shifted our product. We never even thought about it like that before because she came from a completely different industry and was like, why don't we do it like this? And I'm seeing sales influence product like I've not seen before because we're not just in these little um, very defined lanes and we're also bringing in some people that can really communicate well, rather than, you know, sales has always been like, you guys are like the high school football team. Everybody else is like, you know, the art club, the drama club, all these other things. But the sales team is like the lifeblood of the organization. We're now having an influence differently on different parts of the organization, which I think is great rather than just being kind of the troublemakers that make all the money and are like wily crazy and get in trouble at president's club. We're now coming to the table changing a bit of that whole stigma and bringing a really different approach to it. And I'm excited by that. Like when I hear one of our rep, our grads is now a rep for square. He was a high school, not high school. He was a college history professor. Like what he brings to the table at a company like square. What a beautiful thing, you know, what a different perspective. And also the ideas and innovation that come from that. I'm excited that salespeople are having the chance rather than just go slang this stuff. You know, you just be quiet and sell. Like we're actually being able and being integrated into a whole company experience, which I'm super pumped about. Uh, that's awesome. I mean, you have such a great perspective and everything you've you've chatted with us here about. What, what's next for you and Aspireship? You know, we'd love to hear a little bit more about what the future is for you. Man, we are just seeing such a shift. So we have had some amazing groups of individuals that we've been able to help um, make the transition to sales. So last year, I'm sure you saw just tons of hospitality workers that were completely they were just all laid off and they, a a lot of them came to sales because think about those individuals are perfectly well-suited for sales. All they're doing is thinking about how do I make someone happy next, right? What do I do next for them and serve them? Then you think about, um, we actually had an onslaught uh, we were just in the Wall Street Journal um, last weekend about all of the teachers that are now shifting over to selling, uh, teaching. Yeah. What a beautiful, beautiful environment to now bring to the selling market. And sure enough, again, because our our product and our, our basically what we offer candidates is free so they can see if it's for them. If we have a lot of people that start to take our coursework and go, whoop, not for me. I do not like doing that role play. And you know what? Good, good. Self-select out because this isn't for you, but at least they know, at least they know. So people are, when they can pass, they're confidently going into roles that they know that they can nail. When they're not, they're like, I'm actually not well-suited for that, so I'm not going to do it. So you know what? That's amazing. And I love that. And I like that we can be a part of this experience, a part of this journey for individuals. I just, the other day, we got a whole bunch of signups and it was through a nursing cohort, a bunch of, and a group of nurses that were saying, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to shift out. So I'm, and then all of a sudden we had this onslaught of signups. I'm like, where did these all come from? this group of nurses from this Facebook group where they're like, I'm looking for something different. So I love that we can help these individuals see if this is for them. 
and then make a transition. And man, they're, and they're doing very, very well in the roles that we're, um, you know, that we're hiring with them. So it's exciting, very exciting. Oh, that's great. Christine, we've learned a lot, but we are not done with you just yet. We're going to have a little bit more fun. We're going to go through our rapid fire questions. So we're going to go through these real fast. We're going to ask you very simple questions as quickly as you can. Give us some rapid fire answers. And we have the timer just about to kick off here. We have 30 seconds. Just kidding. <laughs> but uh, we'll jump right in. And Hannah's going to kick us off. All right. So what is your sales philosophy in just three words? Understand your buyer. What is the best piece of advice you've been given in your career? Um, to say yes. What is your top productivity hack? Turn off notifications on my phone, on the things. When I'm doing work, Love I turn it. everything off, including on my app. A plus. What is your top prediction for the sales industry this year? I think that it is going to continue to be gangbusters. But through this year, I think we'll see the pendulum swing back a little bit because I think what happened is it got atrophied. It's going to boom and then it's going to it's going to write itself in a little bit. If you could share just one piece of advice to all sales professionals, what would it be? Have more fun. Love it. There are a lot of voices out there right now. Where do you go to get your industry news? Um, the two main places, I'm on LinkedIn a lot. I'm there a lot. I look at the news. I look at industry leaders there. I also love like HBR is one of my favorites. I always look on, you know, what, what they're publishing, what they're talking about. I think those are probably my two best sources for just keeping up to date on all different types of matters of business. Cool. Would you say sales leaders are made or born? I think that uh, we all are born with some tendencies, but when I think about growth and development, it is because you want to be a great sales leader is the reason you are. Perfect. What book has inspired you the most in your career? This is not a um, business book, but it's called Language in the Pursuit of Happiness. And it's by this gentleman named Chalmers Brothers. And it's all about how everything we say is impacting and generating and creating and how our lens is impacting everything as well. All right, so our last question here, you're with Michael J. Fox, you're going back to the future and you see your younger self, what would be the advice that you would give your, to yourself just starting out in the industry? I'm a people pleaser, so it would definitely be, you know, you're not for everyone. So just knowing that early on would have really helped me <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> Well, you were definitely for us, Christine. You did a great job yeah. here today. This is fantastic. Uh, we really enjoyed getting to know you, getting to speak with you a little bit here today. And thank you so much for your time. Gosh, you guys have been great. Thank you for that. I know I got a little passionate. It was really fun. Thrilled to uh, join you guys today. Tony, I know I, I know I shout about the coaching thing a lot and you follow me on LinkedIn and we have quite a, a few offline chats, but... In the beginning and early on in my career, I wasn't great at the ongoing learning, I'll be honest. I really wasn't. I had some fantastic opportunities very early on in my career. I'm having very regular training. And I used to read sales books and like read newsletters and stuff, but I just kind of read them. I didn't really implement or apply. And um, as I moved up my career and got into more senior roles, I found that 
nobody was willing to, to teach or coach or support anymore. So you, it was very much left to me. When you um, have a mindset that you, as a salesperson, you are there to like serve your customers. You are there to help solve. You are helped, uh, you're there to help diagnose. You can only do that by staying on top of your game. You can only do that by being a tiny bit ahead of them when it comes to what's next or, you know, what are the foreseeable problems that are um, over the horizon that maybe they're not really thinking about. And when you put yourselves in in a position of strength by, you know, constantly learning, constantly going out there to, to, to find new answers to, to sometimes existing problems, then you put yourself in a much stronger position to actually to help and serve your customers. And, and I think once I started to recognize that sort of, I guess, like early to mid stage of my career, I realized how that started to help me perform better. Wow, that's really interesting. Well, first, I want to clarify something. I'm not following you on LinkedIn. I'm stalking you on LinkedIn. So I want to make that clarification. <laughs> but no, I think it's funny. I have a, a little bit different take on that because when my first um, my first sales position, I was kind of thrown into it and given no training whatsoever, right? So I had to learn everything on my own. And it wasn't easy. It was a challenge, right? It was, here's your laptop, go learn the software, and then you go present it however you think it should be done best. So it took me a lot of time and effort in order to do that. But as the company started growing, I realized that if we really want to get to the point where we want to be as an organization, we have to have some way of really teaching people and coaching them on the way to do things right. So without any provocation, I actually started training people on how to do things. And the company actually grew very quickly. It had a great success story there. So. You know, I, I learned that early on in my career that these are the things that you really have to do in order to succeed as an organization. And, you know, then software platforms started doing it, right? Just like MindTickle. Did I say MindTickle? Um, that's one that just, uh, I think that's part of the reason why I've been so happy at the, uh, you know, where I've landed because they're doing the things that, you know, 20 some odd years ago I saw were important. And now it's all put onto a platform that really drives value and sets people up for success. Well, what's funny, Tony, is, um, so you notice as somebody that's hiring, you know, I'm sure you've hired many people over your career and me too. And you notice the difference between people who have been invested in when it comes to, um, you know, ongoing training and development and those who haven't, because you sit in an interview and when you, when you do get into a conversation with someone, it's like, wow, you don't know how rare you are. <laughs> you're a rare breed because I can just tell that you, you're listening, you're curious, you know, you're, you're, you're asking good questions. You're, you're, you're not just, you haven't just gone onto Google and said, what do you ask in a sales interview? You can, you can really pick it up. I used to think, particularly early on in my, uh, my career, that I just thought this was the norm. I worked alongside some really strong sales individuals. And as I started to move around companies, I realized this isn't the norm. A lot of people have had no training. A lot of people are kind of just stuck in the space and they don't know how to move left or right or forward because they're like, well, I, I, this is my skill set. That's it. That's, that's all I do. I just, I'm just fixed in this position, which is really unfortunate. But I, I think when you invest in yourselves, you, you really can accelerate your career way beyond you, like your wildest dreams. You know, it's interesting, Han. I think when I think about all the people that I'm looking at when I'm hiring, uh, I don't really need like that cookie cutter sort of background where they've worked at the the big sales organizations or they've taken all of the you know the huge sales training processes. To me, I'm more interested in someone that is uh, you know has their own hunger. They have that curiosity. They really want to be a part of something and are willing to put in the time and the effort to do it. 
right? Learning things and learning new things are not the easiest things to do in the world. So anytime that I can find someone that really has that, that spark, that to me is what I find most important. You know, Christine's fresh take on the working world today has really inspired me to broaden my perspective. Times are changing, that's for sure. <laughs> and Christine has her finger on the pulse of sales industry today. She really does. Um, you know, and one thing that we talked about was the idea that anyone can switch industries or learn a new skill, no matter their age, background, or career experience so far. Well, it's really about keeping a growth mindset, particularly when it comes to sales. I mean, look how much things have changed in the last few years, Tony. For those in search of a new role in 2022 or 2023 or, or whenever it might be, Christine reminded us all to avoid placing too much emphasis on the bright and shiny things like big brand names or logos. You know, sometimes finding a position that's right for you just takes a little extra digging. Well, overall, Tony, this episode with Christine has served us some powerful reminders of the value of continuous learning. I really hope everyone listening takes away some insights from the discussion today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ready, Set, Sell. We hope you took away some valuable lessons and insights that inspire you to reevaluate your approach to sales readiness. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show when you get a minute. And stay tuned for the next episode of Ready, Set, Sell.